Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. I'm Robin. And I'm John. And together we research and we break down complex issues facing our society and we bring our findings to you every week. Our promise to you is to bring honest analysis backed by research, to skew our bias toward what can be factually supported, and to try to make it clear when we're giving our opinion versus speaking about actual research. Naturally, we're human and our blind spots and our biases will show through. But our goal isn't always to convince you to think any certain way. We want to give everyone a foundational understanding of these complicated topics so that together we can discuss and address them in a thoughtful and beneficial way. Due to the nature of our podcast, some of the things we talk about can get pretty heavy and maybe divisive. We try to lighten the mood and avoid too much doom and gloom, but we still suggest getting comfortable and maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. I got my drink. Me too. Hope you've got yours. Welcome to our fireside. Dear listener, (laughs) you may have picked something up in that intro that's not normally there. A certain je ne sais quoi uh, about our demeanor at this time. That's because we are currently recording on January 7th, 2021, uh, the day after America tripped and fell in a pile of cow dung on the world stage (sighs) yeah the day after you know armed insurrectionists instigated by the current president of the united states decided to storm and breach the united states capitol building i feel like this is a fair time to say dear listener if you are offended by expletives and curse words um you know maybe just reconsider listening to the first part of this cast because uh, I got some thoughts, and a lot of them have expletives in them. Yeah, we try to keep it family-friendly. I don't know, I don't want to censor myself on this little particular part of it, so fast forward, I guess. Atticus, if you're listening, plug your ears. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, buddy. Have, have your mom kind of give you the Cliff's Notes version of this. I want to hear your thoughts, because we actually haven't talked about this yet. We just started recording before yeah. we made any sort of outline about this part of the, <laughs> the show. Oh my god, because... yeah, no, I think I sent you a message at some point right after all the things started happening yesterday, um, but then, like, you know, the world melted, and there was really no time for conversation. Um, no. No. There was, like, a billion... Uh, I got I got several... Um, what the f- messages? Yeah, I bet. Night. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, a lot, a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. So I, if you've uh, been living under a rock, yeah, the, the U.S. Capitol was breached for the first time since 1814 by idiots. Idiots. The first time ever by Americans, correct? Like it was. Yeah, I'm, the British. Yeah, America's never invaded its own capital. Oh my god. Yeah. I've been 
I don't know about you. I've been I've been really wrestling with how to conceptualize about what happened. Because on the one hand, people are surprised by this. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 if anybody had been paying attention the last four years, you could have called this. Like, I mean, I think a lot of us expected something, right? A lot of us expected some big stupid move, but I don't think any of us expected it to be that move. Does that make sense? Like, I expected a train wreck of some sort at the end of this, but I I didn't expect it to be sedition. You know what I mean? I I do. I know what you mean. Because it's it's a uh, it's big, yeah. You know this. It seems too much for America. Like that right. would never happen in America. That happens in other countries. Well, it's just not something that we have any kind of context for. Like United modern, States federal no. buildings being attacked and breached is just we don't we don't have ref. I mean, we will from now on. We'll have reference for that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we haven't. It's like 9-11. Like, I, we did not have any reference for that. And now yeah. we do. Yeah, because I don't... Uh, well, hold up. Well, no, federal. You're right. State. Yeah. We've seen state capitals be breached earlier this year. Right. In Wisconsin. Exactly. Um, again, by the same general crowd. Right. Uh, for a different reason. Um, that's something that I've been seeing a, sh- a lot of. <laughs> Good this, job. this, I, I, you know, I know this idea that somehow yesterday was in any way equivalent to the protests over the summer of 2020. Oh my God. I can't. And I don't, on its surface, I, I, if I extend a lot of slack, if I extend a lot of slack, I can understand how the visuals of it would strike somebody who is looking for a reason to say, ha, they are no better than we are. Everybody does this. You know, they're hypocrites for condemning us now. I can see how the visuals would play into that, but it is... It completely ignores everything that sparked those protests. Well, and there's so much context missing from a direct comparison. I mean, if you want to stop the direct comparison at the swath of people standing outside the Capitol building building shouting 1776, cool. Like we can stop the comparison right there and it's not that far off. But if you want to look around at the law enforcement presence, if you want to look around at the direct instigation by the highest office in this entire country, if you want to look at how things were handled once the protesters actually breached law enforcement lines, I mean, there is no comparison. And then you look at the actual reasoning. Your candidate lost and you don't like it, or even you don't believe it. That's fair. But to compare 
protests over the broad daylight videotaped murder of a human being, regardless of their skin color, to a temper tantrum that turned into a deadly mob. Like that's no, absolutely not. And let's not even, let's not forget that the reason people think this is fake is because the person, or sorry, the reason people think the election is fake is because the person who lost the election began calling the election fake before it even happened. Right. The only reason there are allegations of fraud is because the person who lost started making allegations of fraud before there was even an election. Exactly. From from day one, he started making these claims. You can't... Yeah. Yeah. I saw a quote and I wish I had something less crude, but it's all my mind can think of because Ted Cruz took to the the floor of 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 the senate afterwards or no no this was prior to the actual invasion and he said 39% of the the united states thinks that there was fraud in the election and i know he doesn't sound like that but his face looks yeah, like no, he sounds like that it so sounds that's what like it, it that's to me basically yeah. it yeah and it's like somebody somebody said yeah okay you can't throw your all around the room and then say 39% of people in the room say that the room smells like shit. Like, you're the reason. Exactly. You started this. Exactly. It's... I was talking to somebody yesterday and uh, this was kind of in the thick of everything and they were... Somebody on on the radio was talking about how um, how the U.S. senators who were objecting to the certification of the electoral votes uh, were violating the sacred democratic ritual that Congress has engaged in for hundreds of years. And I just kind of chuckled and she was like, what's so funny? And I was like, it's just another narrative. Every single thing that we interact with and every way that we are led to understand what is happening around us is at the mercy of narratives. And they are not narratives that have been created because of any objective truth, they are not narratives that have been created for the benefit of the people trying to understand. They are 100% narratives designed to control what comes after them. Mm-hmm. And it's just infuriating to think that this one narrative started four years ago, before there was ever an election, before there was ever a pandemic, has led us to this point right now. And that nobody saw it coming or no, nobody no, no, wanted no, no. to see that it That is not fair. I, I, I have to disagree with you on that. People saw this coming. Nobody wanted to acknowledge the depth of the, the fracture, the schism that yeah, has that's happened. Fair. But that's fair. Um, in fact, there's an, uh, an amazing uh, interview <laughs> it's on full fun- full frontal with samantha b I, a friend of mine literally just sent this to oh, me nice. where um masha gessen who is a russian-american journalist and putin critic literally this is like in 2017 i think called step by step what was going to happen 
over the course of the Trump presidency. Good night. And Masha is an incredibly smart person. I I began reading more of their work um, (laughs) immediately. I'm going (laughs) to dig deeper into it, but just, just watching, just watching them say, you know, just call this stuff. Yeah, no, people knew this was coming and I, uh, I hate to be a doom prophet, a prophet of doom, if you will, but we have not seen the end of this. There are two weeks left, and January 6th is just the beginning of a very long campaign to usurp democracy in the United States. And that's what drives me nuts more than anything about what happened yesterday, is that these people were waving Confederate flags in the United States capital. Mm-hmm. They were waving don't tread on me flags. They were waving Trump flags. But they tore down the American flag to fly the Trump flag. These people are not patriots. No. And to call them such is to give them credit and honor beyond the level of respect they have asked for that they have demonstrated that they deserve and it is so embarrassing to be an american and to look at what happened yesterday and to think about the fact that we historically and moving forward are going to be the nation and has tried to be the nation that for better or for worse whether through good tactics or bad tactics, has tried to spread democracy around the world. And we can barely sustain our own in the face of a tyrant. Yeah, I mean, the idea that we are going to be able to be anything close to effective in international policy, I mean, it's it's in the toilet. It's laughable. It's Yeah. yeah. No, we have completely neutered our ability to have any, any credibility on the world stage in matters of, of democracy, of domestic uh, peace and, and transitions of power. It's gone. It's gone. And from a national security perspective, you know, there weren't, not everybody was horrified at what went on last night. No. There were several people who were overjoyed. Vladimir Putin, guarantee he went through some caviar last night. Yep. Kim Jong-un, probably loved it. Loved it. Yeah. I just... And I think I think what frustrates me the most is that last night, I was pretty d- optimistic that by this time tonight, Mike Pence would be the president. And I... Because I just... You know, sometimes, sometimes I just speak from a place of optimism and just trying to manifest good things into the world. And the secret. I'm, or is that the promise? I can't remember which one. I think it's the secret. Yeah, Eckhart put it in the universe. Yeah. Just, you know, like, I just wanted to 
speak in confidence that that something decisive would be done that yes this happened but there would be clear signals that this is no longer acceptable like this is not a thing we'll tolerate but as the day has unfolded basically all I feel like is that we're getting signs that yeah we'll tolerate this yeah that's it no that's that's exactly what's happening that's exactly what's happening and I'm gonna be really really clear on a point right now I got a lot of people sending me messages about how uh, Rand Paul was like, this is unacceptable. And Mitch McConnell was like, this cannot stand. And all of these, uh, these, these, these performative resignations in the White House around the president and the first lady, their, their chiefs of... of um, their chiefs of staff. Yes, but... Specifically, uh, uh, oh goodness, the woman who handles media for uh, Mel- uh, Melania. Oh. Can't remember her name. She quit, finally. Um, I think Mick Mulvaney just quit yeah. because he couldn't he couldn't continence staying on for the last two weeks after that. <laughs> he quit because he and couldn't like, stand not being relevant in this conversation. For real. And, and, and all of these, all of these are performative. Right. All of them are. They're jumping, they're rats jumping off of a sinking ship. Yep. And I do not give one flying f- what Rand Paul or Mitch McConnell or any of the Republican seats of power or supporters have said in the face of this. Nope. Because they spent the last four years, five years really, enabling this, building us up to a point where this could happen. And you, you don't get points for finally doing the right thing. No. Welcome to bare minimum. Like, that's it. That's all they have done. Yeah, and you, you sure as hell do not get to stand outside and cheer on protesters and then act like you're horrified at what happened when Horrif- they bust in. <gasps> I, I could <sighs> not be more embarrassed to be represented in Washington by Josh Hawley. I, yeah. I mean, I've been I embarrassed this entire time, but like this is peak embarrassment. You have reached 100% embarrassment capacity. There is no more embarrassment I have gone available. super saiyan with embarrassment. But seriously, I had somebody send me a message when Holly announced that he was going to protest counting mm-hmm. the counts, right? The Arizona and Pennsylvania counts. Uh, and they were like, this is your boy. And I was like, hell no, I'm from Virginia. Right? This is not my boy. I I don't know who that is. Uh, Missouri who? There is not one time that I have ever marked down anything in favor of that boy. Yeah. No. I I have never actually been ashamed to say I'm from Missouri. Like, I have had moments where I'm embarrassed by Missouri. Well, right. I've had moments where Missouri could do better. Yeah. The, The governor has stepped in pile after pile handling this COVID crisis. But like, okay, fine. None of the things that Missouri has done up until this point have tried to overthrow the U.S. Constitution. And I think, like, it's... Yes. And he's not even going to get any trouble for it here. That's the thing. No, people are going to cheer him on. People are about it. He is 100% truly representing 
a good portion, I won't say a majority, but a good portion of my experience of Missouri. Yep. All he's representing is a majority of the voters, but not the majority of Missouri. Right. And that's, that is the reason, <laughs> that is the reason you, you have to vote. You have to vote because people like Holly do not deserve to be in power. They don't. And he has demonstrated it over and over again. But his actions last night are an embarrassment to the, to the seat that he holds. And the same with Ted Cruz. It's rat fink. That's all I can think of when I see him. I've always thought that. But now that like I've been kind of like chilled out on calling him that. Nah. Nah. Oh. They, they are... The worst part about it is everything that they have done has been a cynical calculation in order to fuel a presidential bid in 2024. Every single one. That's the worst part about this. They don't believe a word they are saying. But they are spewing it out there and stirring up the pot in order to garner support from Trump voters for their bid in 2024. Because right now, the calculus is Republicans can't win without the Trump vote. Yep. That is what they think. And I don't think that's true. I really don't think that's true. I think they don't understand that the majority of America can be reached through reasonable, moderate policy because the majority of America is reasonable and moderate. Right. And they don't know it, but their their needs can be met. Even the most extreme ones, their needs can be met through reasonable and moderate policy. <sighs> I will say, though, even though, again, I don't agree with all of his politics and he's had moments of spineless, sniveling cowardice, still, still kind of... Mitt Romney's growing on I, me. I'm not mad at Mitt Romney. I wasn't mad at him not way mad. back when he ran for president either. I mean, no, he I actually voted for him. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did That's, too. To be honest with you, listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't know. Kind of feel about him like I felt about Joe Biden. He's modern enough to get things accomplished. Yeah, I guess. I guess if there's anybody who's coming out of this with my respect. And who has earned my respect more significantly in the last year? It's Mitt Romney. Yeah. From, yeah. At least from, from that side of the aisle. Which is a shame. I, I, I think one of the things that has caused our nation to reach this point is this idea that the person on the other side of the aisle is, is your enemy. Mm-hmm. That based on who they vote, vote for, you will know whether or not they are a good person. And if they didn't vote for the person you voted for, they are a bad person. Right. Now, there is an argument to be made that if you vote for a known racist, you're pretty much not a great person. Sorry. Right. <sighs> but... But the Venn diagram of things that people care about on the Republican, the generally Republican side and the generally Democratic side... The Venn diagram is so much more purple than it is red and blue. Oh, yeah. And, well, I mean, that's, that is what we are trying to, to, to do with this, is to reach out to 
to everybody, but especially those people who consider themselves more purple than blue or red, and bring them to an understanding. And hopefully, hopefully it works. I'm, I, I'm not wasting any more time trying to pretend that I am trying to appeal to the MAGA crowd, though. No, huh? Absolutely not. I think that's that's done. I'm not sorry. You, if you still support what happened yesterday, if you still support that president, you're supporting treason. That is all there is to it. Yeah. I'm not sorry. Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I still support Trump, you're an idiot. And you are single-handedly, no, not single-handedly, but you are responsible in part yeah. for the undermining of America. Fix yourself. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing for me yesterday. It, by the end of the day, I had just gotten to this point where I no longer had any more room for diplomacy and I have no more room to engage anyone who is going to justify or downplay what happened yesterday in any way at all. If you cannot come out and condemn what happened and denounce Mr. Trump, then we cannot begin to have a conversation. And I, it's very strange for me to be that person at that point because I generally am very diplomatic and I generally can have conversations with a lot of people with a lot of perspectives. But I am done having that conversation. I'm done. Yeah. Your people showed their true colors yesterday. Figure it out. Yeah. You don't have to be a Democrat, but you can't be a you can't be a Trumper anymore. No. Not not in claim to be a real American. I'm sorry. I don't normally gatekeep. I normally hate it, but those people are not American anymore. They they demonstrated for hours on end that they don't give one sh about d democracy and they would rather overthrow democracy and install a dictator to have their way than to continue one of the probably only grand traditions in American government that makes American government different. Mm -hmm. They are far more concerned with their delusional version of what America should look like than they are with preserving the things that actually make America, America. Yeah. And some of them are trying to say, well, you know, the election, you don't have any, any doubts about the election and legitimately, no, I don't. I don't. I think, I think again, it, the information is out there for you to find. <laughs> it is not hard to understand that there is a narrative being pushed about what happened in the election and there is the truth about what happened and there have been 60 court cases that have been thrown out yep. or denied any sort of appearance or just rejected for things like lack of evidence, for things like lack of standing. 60 lack of opportunities coherent... to make this case and to prove this point. 60. And not just to, to, to Democrats, to Republican-nominated judges, right? to Republican secretaries of state, to people who are nominally part of Trump's quote-unquote party. Although I don't think we can call Trump a Republican anymore. No, and he never, I feel like... He never was. He never was. He literally never has been. Donald Trump has always been a Trumper. 
Like that has been his political party, his ideology, his religion, his philosophy. I'm not a psychologist, but I stand really, really, really hard on the idea that that man lives with narcissistic personality disorder. And the idea that he could or would ever do anything magnanimous or to benefit anyone other than his own self is absolutely outside the realm of possibility to me. Yeah. No, anytime, anytime that man has done something generous, it's so he could slap his name on the act and say, look at how generous I am. Exactly. And uh, that doesn't make it, that is not generous. No. That's... And, and I think at no point yesterday, during the normal course of the day or the desperate overnight hours, was anybody ever going to present any evidence that these votes were obtained through ill-gotten means? No. I, I, I mean, Bill Barr himself, who I do not lose any warm fuzzies over, <laughs> has said... That there is no evidence that fraud of any significant amount has occurred right. that would change this election. Barr carried so much water for this administration so that he could probably start his own lake. And he's like, no, I'm out. Yeah. He's like, deuces. I'm not going to be a part of this. And I, like, I know that you and I come to a lot of this from a place of information privilege. Um... Because we're in it and we see it and we're, we, we chase it down. But I feel like at this point, even people who spend their lives in a darth of reliable information have got to see at this point that there is nothing to present. I wish that were true. I do. I wish that were true. But you know as well as I do that there's these people out here who are still defending this and still saying that there's there, that the, 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 the election was compromised. Right. And that's what makes me sad. Because they're otherwise decent people. Right. People who are good fathers, good parents, who I think legitimately try their best to to run their businesses and to vote their conscience like i they're being taken advantage of and it sucks to be like no you know this you you are so blinded by your desire to be right yeah anyway <clears throat> the one good thing, the one good thing, the one, one, one good thing to come from this week hmm. is that um, Trump has, <laughs> bear with me listeners, uh, Trump has committed a number of acts that are either illegal or probably illegal uh, from a phone call. Yeah, this happened this week, by the way. A phone yeah. call to the Georgia Secretary of State to pressure him into finding votes. Which the Republican Secretary of State yeah. from Georgia decided to record because he was tired of Trump calling him. Yeah. That's a guy... That's a guy who is not on Trump's team. 
right, that Trump is calling and saying the quiet part out loud to over and over and over again. Imagine how many people <laughs> have had conversations that are not even questionably illegal, that are just outright illegal because they are on Trump's team and Trump doesn't care. And they don't care. That's a conversation with somebody who did not support Trump and that's what Trump said. Right. Anyway, he did that. He literally incited a riot in D.C. He began a coup attempt with his words, with the actions that he has taken over the course of the past several years. <laughs> yeah. With every tweet, with every demented speech that rambles on from one conspiracy to the next, he has pushed and pushed and pushed his followers closer and closer to the edge of sanity. And this is where it has brought us. Now, today, Nancy Pelosi took, uh, took to the mic to say that if Trump wasn't removed on the grounds of the 25th Amendment, that they were going to start impeachment proceedings again, which is largely symbolic. He is not going to be in office in 13 days. Right. There are a lot of great reasons to impeach him, however, I would argue. Oh, yes. We will cover some of them. In what we're going to talk about, yeah. the whole point there of this episode. There is actually an episode coming. And this is the good news that I was talking about. Trump has provided us a great segue into our actual topic, and that is presidential pardons. Hmm. He has committed so many illegal activities oh in the last week alone that I think... We have got to talk about, and we have done the research on, presidential pardons. If you listened to our episode last week, you knew this was coming. Right. Uh, you didn't know that the last uh, 35 minutes of brain explosion was happening. Um, yeah. But if you listened to last week and then you lived through yesterday, you had to know we were going to say something about it. Something. We have an obligation. We don't want to let you down. We right. promise you a rant every now and then. Well, there you go. There you go. Some, That's the some... first rant that has actually included cuss words. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, that was just a beautiful <laughs> expression of expletive-filled opinion <laughs> from uh, us both. Yeah. But... Getting getting the explicit tag on this one. Yikes. Yikes. Oh, well. Oh, I hope it doesn't label our whole podcast that way. Uh, you can always oh. throw like a train horn on it or something. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll, I'll bleep it out. We'll have an unedited unedited version for people who want the full experience. Right. If you, you can just send us an email if you want to request it. If you want to hear a couple of F-bombs, <laughs> so, you just let us know. You're going to have the full F-bomb power. <laughs> Shoot. If you want to hear F-bombs, we'd be happy to give them to you. I'll tell you what. Maybe that's one of the Patreon rewards. We'll have, we'll have, we'll have, uh, like, uh. At our highest tier, you get the five-minute F-bomb <laughs> summary of what the hell we're thinking about. <laughs> oh, you just get to hear us calling yeah. various politicians terrible names. Ah, oh, be great. Yeah. Oh, be great. I don't know. Let us know what you think. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. All we're right. going to bring you back to our regularly scheduled professionalism. Right. Now. Um, 
I don't even know. I mean, we have a great segue, but honestly, the introduction that we yeah that we wrote about this doesn't seem adequate anymore. It really doesn't. Um, it was so it was so poised to just dovetail directly in to the absurd pardons from last week. I know. Gosh, they seem so quaint now. I know. Just it seems so cute when we're looking at when we're seeing headlines. From CNN, like Donald Trump is asking his aides about his ability to pardon himself after, you know, committing sedition in front of news cameras. On live TV. On live TV. Right? It's great. 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 And don't worry, dear listener, we're going to try to answer that question, but you're going to probably have to wait until next week to hear that. I think... I think before we get uh, before we get into the content, let's start with the the trivia section. Okay. Let's start there. Okay. Let's start there, and then just roll into the next part. Right. So uh, yeah, we'll lighten the um, mood with a little bit of trivia, right? Yeah, trivia. Trivia is always fun. Let's go trivia. Ooh, I haven't been to trivia night <clears throat> since March. Nobody has. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which it's breaking my heart. Trivia is my favorite sport. So let's see if you can answer these questions. If you can't worry, if you can't, oh my god. I can't even talk. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Get a, get a drink. Get a drink. Get a drink. We with the actual alcohol. Hey, actually, important note, <laughs> listeners. Normally, we our normal exhortions uh, for you to actually have a drink on hand are not normally applied to us. We normally don't actually drink no. while we're recording these. Because sometimes it's nine o'clock in the morning. Sometimes, but guess what? <laughs> Drinking tonight. Hello, Scotch. Hmm. I'm doing whiskey. Very good choice. Yes. All right. So. Okay. Let me, let's start. Let's do some trivia. uh, No answers on this one, right? We're just going to ask the questions and then we'll work through them. We'll work through them and and then between the next, between this episode and the next one, you'll find all the answers should you care to write the questions down. It's like, it's like one of those homework projects where the questions are at the beginning of the chapter. Yeah. Uh, You're welcome. Okay. Okay. So first, Robin, 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 which article of the constitution does the power behind presidential pardons come from? Ooh, that's a really good question. I mean, I know the answer. That's a good question. Of course, we researched this. All right. True or false? Presidential pardon power is absolute and unlimited. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of theorizing on that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. True or false? A presidential pardon is considered an admission of guilt. Ooh, that's kind of a big deal question. It's got a lot of implications. It's loaded. There. Yeah, doesn't it? All right. How many types of presidential clemency are there? Yeah, we only ever hear about pardons. Which president has granted the most pardons? I guarantee, I guarantee it's not who people think it is. It wasn't who I thought it was. I know, I was really surprised. Uh, neither was which president has granted the fewest. I was surprised by that Same. one too. Uh, this one, can a pardon be revoked? Mm. And has Can you happened? no longer be declared uh, not innocent, but uh, pardoned? Having pardoned, yes, yeah. having having committed your sentence, hmm. completed. Mm. Here's one: Which president is credited with the first posthumous pardon? And finally, this one's the, the golden ticket, the prize, the pièce de résistance. Can a president pardon himself? All right. All right. Register your answers now, dear listener. Right. 
Let's see how many you get right. If you wrote them down, I'm really impressed by you. And Actually, I'm really impressed too. I'm sure team. most of you were just like, I'm not. I don't care. Let's just get to the Opening meat. Opening uh, Before we get started, I do want to say there's some stuff out there on presidential pardons. Um, the information is not hard to find. But in podcast form, for those folks who enjoy listening to their information rather than reading it, everything that we found was like super outdated, like 2010 outdated. Uh, so we just yeah. wanted to bring you some new and updated perspective via voice on this topic. Yeah. All right. So I guess where do the power of pardons come from? Please tell me this is simple. It's so simple. It's a straightforward question for a complicated time, and I love it. Where does the presidential pardon come from anyway? As with all things presidential power related, we must turn to the U.S. Constitution. Side note, we mentioned this last week, never thought I'd be reading the Constitution as much as I do for this podcast. Joke's on me, college-age John. This is apparently reading that Constitution was super-duper important, and you should have read it more. All right. At least my major, my minor, minor is coming in handy. So, the president derives his power from Article Two, Section Two, Clause One, at least for the for the uh, pardon. And it says the president shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. It makes me unreasonably happy that unlike most of the references we pull from the U.S. Constitution, this one is a mere complex sentence. <laughs> one measly comma. That's it. That's it. Admittedly, this is actually just the final, like, phrase in a very complicated <laughs> sentence-long paragraph. Right. Or, sorry, paragraph-long sentence. But still, for our purposes, one just easy sentence. I'll take it. Yeah. No, it's good. It's, 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 it's pretty straightforward. The president can grant reprieves normally in the form of a commutation of the sentence and pardons for crimes. However, if you were listening closely, the wording of that sentence gives us our first limitation on this presidential pardon power. And that is, except in cases of impeachment. So a president could not pardon himself from a crime that is leading to his own impeachment. For example... The one would assume that that would apply to the impeachment of a Supreme Court justice as well, or any other officer that could be impeached. And that does make sense. A president being able to avoid impeachment by pardon would completely undermine the reason for the power of impeachment in the first place. The system of checks and balances in the United States Constitution would be broken before it ever got started. So, for all of you who answered that first question, that presidential pardon was unlimited... There are very, very clear limitations delineated in the Constitution itself. In fact, there are two. The second one isn't quite as obvious as the first. The U.S. Constitution very specifically says that the president may only pardon offenses against the United States. That is to say, he may only pardon federal crimes. Only violations of federal offenses may be pardoned by the president. State-level crimes have to be pardoned by the governor. Municipality levels, pardons might be granted by a mayor, for example. It's the beauty of federalism. Practically, uh, this means that a person pardoned for a joint state and federal crime may still face repercussions from the state authorities. So if you, for example, just throwing this out there, broke a law that was both federal law and, I don't know, New York state law, maybe, and received a <laughs> pardon from the president... 
the state of New York could still come after you and light your light you up. <laughs> Some people <laughs> back in the the academic portion of our podcast. Um, some people think that might be getting off easier, that you're only liable for the state portion of it. But I tend to think that jail time is jail time. And judges and prosecutors uh, have a funny way of finding multiple offenses to make you to do time for and arranging those punishments yeah. in strange ways so that maybe that you're spending your life in prison anyway. I'll just say, uh, big picture, I'd rather just not need a presidential pardon. You know, that's just a good good plan. If whatever yeah, you're yeah, intending to do, you're banking on a presidential pardon, maybe just rethink it. Just a little bit. Maybe, yeah. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. Okay, so what are the actual guidelines of presidential pardons? Well... Friends, based on no actual surveys and just lots of looking at our own very small samples of people, uh, we're going to go out on a limb and guess that a lot of people don't actually know how the presidential pardon process works. Given how many people seem to, quote unquote, know their rights and claim to have read the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> have to put the hick on it, but you did anyway. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do it over because I really didn't mean no, to. No, no, leave it. Leave it. Leave it. I did not mean to. Oh, Lord. Okay, okay, okay. Given how many people seem to know their rights and claim to have read the U.S. Constitution while at the same time trying to defend things that are explicitly unconstitutional, we feel relatively secure in this assessment of what people do and do not know. Uh the general feel that we get from people is that they view the pardon process something like... Ah, poop. I got caught committing a crime. Good thing I've got my good buddy, the president, to bail me out of this. Yeah, no problem. Poof. Crime gone. You're welcome. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Mr. President. Oh, boy, here I go criming again. Or, you know, something to that general effect. But <laughs> this is the United States government, folks. They have procedures for acquiring new rubber bands. Do you really think that this won't be at least that bureaucratic? Really? So first thing, application process. That's actually a pretty formalized thing. There's a way to go about it. You don't actually apply for a pardon directly to the president, mostly. Presidential pardons usually go through the office of the pardon attorney. And to make a really long and Boring story short, the Office of the Pardon Attorney is responsible for investigating and reviewing these applications to ensure that the person requesting clemency ostensibly meets these established standards that are necessary to receive a pardon, mostly. That's right. There are standards. The first thing being that the person must have demonstrated the ability to lead a responsible and productive life for a significant period after conviction or release from confinement. So essentially, the, the OPA, the Office of the Pardon Attorney, asked the FBI, usually, to <laughs> conduct an investigation into the background of the petitioner. Uh, this investigation looks at a number of factors, such as financial and employment stability, responsibility toward family, reputation in the community, participation in community service, charitable or meritorious activities, military record, and on and on and on. Basically... All of the mitigating factors in your life, things that make you look good, 
Now, the OPA claims to take the totality of circumstances into consideration when evaluating people on these standards. Their website specifically says it may not be appropriate or realistic to expect quote-unquote extraordinary post-conviction achievements from individuals who are less fortunately situated in terms of cultural, educational, or economic background. I think that's fair. The second standard considers the relative severity of the crime. Generally, they look to see if an appropriate amount of time has passed since conviction for a pardon so as not to undercut the deterrent effect of the actual conviction. Um, so if you have a, an old and relatively minor offense, you're more likely to receive a pardon than someone who has a relatively recent and significant offense. Coming in third is what is, in my opinion, the most crucial standard for people to understand, especially in relation to what is happening today. The irony is I wrote that specific sentence, especially in consideration for what is happening today before, <laughs> before Trump yeah. made the phone call and incited a riot. General today and explicitly today. Ex just so explicitly. Anyway. The extent to which a petitioner has accepted responsibility for his or her criminal conduct and made restitution to the victims of that conduct are crucial in determining eligibility for the pardon. So has the person accepted that they screwed up and have they tried to fix the problem? By the OPA standards, a petitioner should be genuinely desirous of forgiveness rather than vindication. Mm -hmm. If a person is claiming innocence or miscarriage of justice, they have a pretty high bar to clear when petitioning. They basically have to undo. They have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they are innocent. <laughs> or they have to provide doubt to the conviction, to provide reasonable doubt to the conviction in the first place. Right. I mean, and in this process, you're going to hear us saying usually and often and primarily and generally a lot uh, more so than you will in um, older materials discussing this because in recent years, a lot of this has kind of been treated as optional. But anyway, standard four yeah. is the need for actual relief. It's less of a requirement and more of an additional factor, a plus and. Um, the purpose of seeking the pardon is important when the OPA is considering whether or not to recommend granting the pardon. So, for example, if the petitioner is requesting a pardon because they can't acquire a license that they need to perform a job, they may have a more they may have more weight placed on that petition than someone who does not have that specific need for relief. And the lack of a need like this doesn't weigh against a petitioner, right? It's it's an additional factor. So, it won't keep you from getting a pardon, but someone who has that specific need may have the added weight. Right. And the final standard is another factor of consideration and less a full-on, like, yes or no, do they meet this standard? And that's official recommendations and reports. So this standard is basically the comments and recommendations of officials familiar with the circumstances of the case. So these reports, they might come from the U.S. attorney or the assistant attorney general whose office prosecuted the case um, or the sentencing judge, or impact studies that a pardon would have in the district or nationally or on law enforcement priorities, stuff like that, the, the totality of circumstances about what a pardon would mean. 
the high profile nature of presidential pardons means that the ripple effects of them uh, might have impacts across the nation. And then, so once a petitioner has been vetted through this um, this process from the Office of the Pardon Attorney, then the Office of the Pardon Attorney sends that recommendation to the Attorney General, who then refers it to the President to act on. There's kind of like a, a chain that that goes through, usually. It's interesting to me that, the, usually, usually, the Office of Pardon Attorney acknowledges that the circumstances of one's life might affect their ability to actually meet these standards. Yeah. To have become a, a better citizen or achieved extraordinary recovery or something like that. It's very rare in the government documents that we read that we see that acknowledgement of the, the, the situation, the circumstances of your life affecting uh, decision making. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really, I didn't know that that this additional need for relief factor was a part of the process either. Um, This idea that somebody who really needs this absolution in order to continue living a successful and productive life uh, might get more weight on their petition than somebody who absolutely has no, no specific need for that pardon. Right. I mean, I feel like that can be, when used properly, a really big deal, especially when we're considering things like the disproportionate sentences that people of color receive for relatively minor drug offenses, for example. Yeah. They are both going to have a reduced capacity to ex- uh, achieve extraordinary things once they are released from prison, once they've served their sentence. And they are likely to have that higher need for relief in order to continue to be to move forward and essentially to prevent reoffense or to right. give them an opportunity to live some sort of a more productive life, having had a drug offense, presumably, on their on their record. On their record, yeah. That's something that I started thinking about whenever I read that, is that um a lot of a lot of career positions require, you know, background checks or a certification where you can't have any sort of felony conviction, and I don't think people understand what felony means. It is literally distinguished by how long you spend in prison. So if you spend three hundred and sixty-five days or less in prison, or sorry, less than one year in prison, so three hundred and sixty-four days or less, it's a misdemeanor. 365 days or greater, it's a felony. So that's it. That's the only difference is, is the, the length of the punishment. Interesting. The prison term. And um, so you can get a, a year or more in prison, a felony conviction, in some states for carrying weed. Right. So it, just because it's a felony, people tend to hear felony and it carries this like heavy like oh my gosh that must have been something horrible yeah they must have murdered somebody it's a felon it's like nah they just they had a few ounces of weed on one too many times and got caught right so right and if we you know i mean a few ounces is still a lot of weed but still but still but still especially when you consider now the the rates at which even those amounts are being decriminalized across the country The fact that even five years ago, somebody being caught with that amount on them could spend years and years in prison. Oh, the three strike laws. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. You're talking decades in prison. Yeah. 
think life in some circumstances. So it's just, yeah. So the, anyway, my point being that the lingering punishments that are that accompany these convictions, being unable to to get certain careers, being able to get certain certifications, that sort of thing, um, have a compounding effect on criminals. Mm-hmm. They're a criminal, and they now can't get a a, a better paying job. Right. Right. A, a, and that doesn't just mean like lawyer, doctor, or whatever. There are positions like that where you install gates, security devices yep. that you have to be cleared in order to do that. And those are those are not um, what do they call that? White collar positions. They are your your general. Um, oh shoot! Like trade positions. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. To a lot of trade positions require you to to carry certifications. Right. So. Um, yeah, the lasting and, impact of a conviction can can really screw with you. Yeah, exactly. And so I think um, I was I was really surprised to hear that those were a part of the process. That's fine. What kind of so let's move into what kind of pardons there are, and then we'll go ahead and tie off this episode, and then we'll we'll roll in to the next one. Yeah, we'll do we'll do, we'll cover the rest of our information in in another episode because this one's going to run a little long. Right. So another part of the process that a lot of folks don't understand is that the president has the ability to do more than just poof away a federal crime, to use our earlier example. Uh, The 50 cent word used to describe these different ways in which the president or other officials at different levels with similar powers um, can offer relief is clemency. And when it comes to the president, there are five forms of clemency at his or her disposal. Uh, Before we get into this list, keep in mind that these forms of clemency can actually be granted conditionally. That means that the president can set stipulations on his or her offer of clemency. So just keep that in mind. Um, A full pardon is the most sweeping form of clemency and the one that we're most likely to hear about in the news. In legalese, it releases the wrongdoer from punishment and restores the offender's civil rights without qualification. And as long as the appropriate process is followed... A pardon could be granted at any time, before charges, prior to conviction, after conviction. Interesting note, though, a pardon must be accepted by the person being pardoned in order to be considered effective. That is to say that the person being pardoned might actually refuse the pardon if they so choose. Uh, I think in the next episode, we'll discuss reasons why they might so choose. Exactly. So amnesty is the next one. It is practically identical to a pardon in effect. But instead of being issued to an individual, amnesty is typically extended to whole classes or communities. So as an example, President Jimmy Carter granted amnesty to many who violated the Selective Service Act by evading the draft during the Vietnam War. Do you think that there's any chance that we're going to see broad amnesty applied to the folks who decided to storm the Capitol building yesterday? I f- hope not. <laughs> Same, same. But I was thinking that yesterday, yesterday evening, as I, I was remarking on the remarkable lack of arrests and action taken by law enforcement. And I was thinking, oh man, what if? I guess that was part of my optimism for hopefully Mr. Trump not being the president. But if a full pardon or amnesty isn't the right option... Commutation offers a means to substitute the initial punishment imposed by a federal court for a less severe punishment, like a reduced prison sentence, or uh, oftentimes you'll hear time served. 
One of the most well-known examples of this is when President Nixon conditionally commuted Jimmy Hoffa's 13-year prison sentence for mail fraud and wire fraud and obstruction of justice to six and a half years. Uh, This year, President Trump commuted the sentence of his longtime advisor, Roger Stone, days before he was actually supposed to begin serving that sentence. Later on, he just gave him a full pardon. Yeah. Yeah, no. NBD. In a similar vein, the president may also remit criminal fines, penalties, and forfeitures of every description arising under the laws of Congress. So basically, this means that the president can remit or wipe away any federal fees and fines that were imposed as a result of the crime for which clemency is sought. And unlike a pardon, a commutation or remission is valid even without the consent of the offender whose punishment is reduced. And then last and also kind of least, the president may grant a reprieve. A reprieve delays the execution of a sentence or punishment for a period of time. A reprieve can be used at any time that the president thinks that there's good reason to delay a sentence. So you may hear of a woman being granted reprieve because she becomes pregnant before her her sentence is set to begin. Or if there's a question as to whether someone is or has become physically or mentally ill before their sentence begins. If I remember correctly, Roger Stone got himself a reprieve and a commutation and then a full pardon. Didn't he? Why not? Sure. Sure. Why not? (laughs) I, I can't remember at this point in time. And honestly, I cannot be bothered to summon enough energy to care about what happens to Roger Stone. I just... That's fair. I have bigger fish to fry right now. And Roger Stone, you know, he can just die in anonymity. Because I think that would be the worst possible outcome for Roger Stone. If people just forgot who he was. Right. Hmm. I don't like him. I don't like him very much. I think he's a sneak. I don't know if you could pick up on that. Uh, anyway, so I think that's what we're going to call it on this episode. And uh, if you liked what you heard, if you want to tell us how awesome we are, uh, or how wrong we are, but how awesome we are, uh, you can reach us uh, in several places. Firesidebreakdowns at gmail.com is the email. You can also find us at Fireside Breakdowns on Facebook, Fireside Breakdowns on Instagram, and I think that's it for I think now. That's Actually, it for I said now, yeah. and, but I don't think there's another way to contact us at this very moment. Someday we'll have a PO box. We'll just throw that out there too. Right. You could also leave us a review um, if the platform that you're that you're listening on allows you to do that. That's another way to contact I, we us. We would greatly appreciate it if you did leave us a review on the platform that you listen on reviews allow the algorithm to push our program our podcast to new listeners to help them find us Uh, the more people that listen to us or at least the information not necessarily our opinions uh, hopefully the fewer people will actually try to raid the capitol building for the next trump (laughs) one can hope that we will have that sort of impact right i would assume that regular listeners to this podcast would not in fact raid the capital of their country in order to overthrow the constitution. Right. Uh, Who knows? Maybe we're starting our own rebellion here. I hope not. Oh man. I hope not. Yeah. 
Uh, We're not going to leave you with any explicitly good news, except that at this point on January 7th, 2021, the United States is still a representative republic. We are still a democracy, and here's hoping we make it 13 more days that way. Amen. And a woman. <laughs>